0: Well, good morning again, Missio Church. My name is Bernie. I'm one of the elders on staff. It's good to see all of you uh, this morning and be able to um, to gather together as God's people. As Josh said earlier, and as Michelle mentioned, it's such a privilege. Um, I think if 2020 taught us uh, some things, it taught us what a privilege it is to gather as God's people. So. Uh, It's a joy to be here. We're going to open God's Word now. We're beginning a new series this morning, working through uh, the first letter of John. So if you have your Bibles, open with me to uh, 1 John. We're going to be spending some time uh, thinking through uh, the message of 1 John, and essentially it's this. John wants to um, instill confidence in his listeners. He's uh, going to work through um, our, our life, our, our belief in who Jesus is, uh, our life in terms of how we respond to God and, and his law in, in terms of obedience, uh, our life in terms of how we respond to brothers and sisters around us in love. And there's these um, so-called tests of assurance uh, th- that we can know we are abiding in Christ and, and his letter is not meant to uh, throw us off kilter or to make us doubt, but to give us confidence in um, our life in Christ. And so we're going to be looking uh, probably for the next couple months at 1 um, John. So this morning we're looking at 1 John uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. 1 John 1, this is God's word. we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Would you just again bow your heads with me? Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, your Son, and we ask now that uh, by the power of your spirit, as we look at your word, you would speak to us, that you would clearly show us Jesus, that you would, um, that you would create, uh, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, create awe in us. May we uh, surrender our lives and trust to your Son, we can't do that of our own power, we are um, we are blind, we are pitiable, we are weak, we are proud creatures. So we ask that you would work in us for your glory. So now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our heart be pleasing and acceptable to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. What is Christianity all about? How would you answer that question? What, what would you say the answer to that is? What is the essence or the core of Christianity? Some people might say that the Christian religion aims to improve character, shaping us into uh, more loving and, and kind people who bring kindness and gentleness to the world. Other people might say that uh, Christianity is a group that is meant to address society's ills. It, it feeds the hungry. It fights injustice. Some people say it's, it's meant to provide people with meaning. It's, it gives people a framework for um, coping with life's messiness, with all the changes that, that come at us so quickly. Some people would say it's, it's an organization that brings people together. It's a, it's a, it's a social organization. Some people say, no, it's, it's a way to get to heaven. Others, of course, might answer more negatively. But in, in writing to his audience, John, the author of, of this letter, answers the question for us. He tells us in this opening section of his letter that, that, that his aim in, in just taking the effort to write to these Christians that he's writing to, and in doing so, he proclaims the essence of the, the Christian religion. Look at verses 3 and 4 with me. It says in verse 3, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you. Here's why. So that. You too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things to you. Here's why. So that our joy may be complete. Do you you hear that? You may think of it in in terms of two things. Verse 3, that you may have fellowship with the Father. And verse 4, so that our joy may be complete. Friend, I want you to know this morning, without a doubt, put whatever answers out of your mind, the essence, the core, the essential nature of Christianity is joy-filled fellowship with the Father and with his people. That's why we gather in this place. That's what we gather to hear about and to celebrate It's not necessarily a movement of cultural transformation by which the the ills of society are remedied. The the church can certainly affect, and it has throughout history, affected society in many wonderful ways. There's no denying that, but that is not its essence. It's not a a moral fitness program, 30, 60, 90 days to a, a kinder, gentler, more humble you. The church, by the work of the Spirit, certainly aids us in walking in in gentleness, in humility, and love, and being righteous. But that's not the essence of Christianity. The essence of Christianity is joy filled fellowship with the Father and with his people. And I I think it's odd, isn't it, that, that John doesn't talk about salvation in this passage, but of fellowship. That might strike some of our ears as, as strange because we so often think of Christianity in terms of salvation. We think, in ter- we think of what God has done in terms of deliverance and in rescue from our sin and from our guilt. We, we frequently talk about what God has done in legal terms, that God has um, pardoned guilty sinners that he's declared, um, he's declared us guilty, uh, guiltless, not guilty, in Jesus. And those are wonderful and true and necessary messages the Bible presents to us. But let us not neglect what that salvation actually secures for us. We've been redeemed and rescued for something. We've been declared guiltless to restore something that's been ruined and shattered and destroyed. And friend, that is is fellowship and relationship. Humans were created for fellowship, for relationship, for intimacy with God and with others. Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, they had intimate uh, companionship and relationship and fellowship with their creator. It talks about God walking with them in the garden. But our first parents sinned. And as we're told, they fell from their communion with God. They were barred from the garden so that they could no longer walk with God. They fell from that communion, from that fellowship with their creator, and as a result of rebellion against God, Adam and Eve that had that, that uninterrupted communion destroyed. They were barred from his presence. Sin is an obstacle and a barrier to that. Hostility replaces friendship. Enmity and alienation replaces communion and relationship. And the same is true of you and me, friend. And once this vertical relationship goes wrong, once our our relationship and our communion with God is, is ruined, the way we relate to the people around us becomes distorted and ugly. And we see that early on with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve sin and they're barred from God's presence. And then immediately we see hatred and we see murder enter the story. It's no different... With us, friend. As we are separated from our Creator, there is nothing but hostility towards one another. There's hostility between husband and wife. There's hostility between Republican and Democrat. There's hostility between black and white. There's hostility between governments and nations. And John is writing to us to these Christians, because he wants to assure us that we can have this communion, this fellowship, this, this intimacy with God and with each other. He says, I am writing so that you may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father. That can be ours, friend. That's what we were created for. This, this fellowship, this intimacy, this communion with God is what brings true joy in this life. There's an old, old teacher of the church in the 4th and 5th century named Augustine, and he he said this, he he was addressing God, he said, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. We find joy in God alone. Friend, you will only find joy in God alone. Period. End of sentence. Money, success in your career, just the right home, having your kids turn out just the right way, those things might bring Pleasure for a time, for a season, for a stretch of life. But guess what? It will leave you empty again. Some of you are restless this morning because you've been searching for joy and happiness and and rest in your job, in in entertainment, in, in relationships, in your bank account, in security, in health, in all sorts of things. And again, in many ways, 2020 has been so helpful because it's exposed the, the frailty and the fleeting pleasures that are involved in all that this world has to offer. When those things are ripped away, what then? What are we left with? It's made us feel the darkness of the world around us, it's helpfully made us feel the hopelessness of the dreams that this world affords. First John 1, the God of Scripture holds out something, a pandemic or political, unrest cannot diminish, cannot touch, cannot smudge, cannot distort in any way. And that is fellowship with himself and with his people. The fellowship John speaks of means that God's anger is no longer directed towards his people. His displeasure has been turned away. Alienation has been turned into friendship. He delights in his people, and he accepts his people. We We need not live with shame or guilt any longer. He's seen your life. He's dealt with it, and he's reconciled you to himself. The fellowship he speaks of means that regardless of of our differences with others, as significant as they are at times, whether nation of origin or skin color or political affiliation, significant as those things are, they are not an obstacle to loving relationship with each other. It's all been dealt with. We can have fellowship with one another. We're reconciled. So as I hear that, as I think about that, I think, how did that happen? How did God deal with what was separating us? How did he deal with those obstacles, with that barrier? On what basis can you and I have such fellowship with the Father and with each other? And John tells us the way that you have joy-filled fellowship with the Father and with each other is through the incarnate word of life. John tells us, joyful fellowship with the Father comes through Christ. John proclaims, Jesus is the means by which fellowship is possible. But he's specific in how he describes Christ. and, And I want us to note that. First, first John starts out proclaiming Christ's divine nature. Look at the very first words of this book, the very first words of verse 1. That which was from the beginning. It's an odd way to describe a person, an odd way to describe Jesus. That which was from the beginning. What he's saying was, Jesus was in the beginning. And that should catch our attention. It's the same wording that that Josh read earlier that this author, John, uses in the opening of his gospel when he's telling the, the, the earthly story of the life and ministry of Jesus. John 1 1, he says, In the beginning was the word, Jesus. And so here again, he starts out the same way that which was from the beginning. John 1 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. And here, in verse 2, our epistle says, He was with the Father. Look at it with me. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and we testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father. So, Jesus was in the beginning with the Father. That, that should be kind of bring back some other scripture to us, if we're familiar with it. The very first words of this book, if you open up the very first words, the cover, Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning. Right? Before there was anything. Before uh, the, the oceans were formed. Before the mountains uh, sprung up. Before stars burned out in the galaxy. Before all, he was Jesus was so Jesus is is not some superhuman he's not some bigger more grandiose version of ourselves he's altogether different from us of a distinct nature and i, I want us to see john's description of him here further he, he describes him in three ways look at the end of Verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. He calls him the word of life. And then notice how verse 2 opens. The life was made manifest. And then, verse 2 concludes, he is eternal life. So he's the word of life, he's life, he's eternal life. He's talk, John's using life language. He's telling us a fundamental truth about God. God is life. It's what some people, when they, when they talk about this, they talk about God's aseity. It's just a big fancy word that means that he is life in himself. He does not depend upon anything or anyone for any part of his existence. In contrast to us, right? If we don't have food, we starve. If we don't have water, we die. If we don't have air, we suffocate. If God doesn't cause our heart to beat, we cease to exist. We are dependent creatures, but God has life in himself. He's altogether different. He is life. He's the source. He is That's why God declares himself as, I am. He just is. So, John proclaims the deity of Christ. Right? He declares Jesus is God by declaring him as the life which was in the beginning with the Father. We need to be clear on that. But... He is just as insistent. John is just as insistent that John heard him. John saw him. John touched him. Look at verses 1 and 2 again with me. That which was from the beginning. We see his divine nature there. And then John says, which we heard, which we, we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands. Concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest. So the, the deity was made manifest. We have seen it and testified to it. And proclaim to you. Eternal life. Which was with the Father. And then he says again. That which we have seen. And heard. John heard him. Day after day. In the streets teaching in private conversations away from the crowds. John saw him. He not only saw him, but he saw the the glorious and wonderful, marvelous deeds, miracles that he performed. John touched him. John was with him after the resurrection and and touched his nail-scarred hands. What John is insisting upon by his repetition of the fact that he, he saw him, that he heard him, that he touched him, is what we call the incarnation. The, the fact that this life, which was with the Father in the beginning, this God became a man and took on flesh. He became truly man. Though he was truly God, he became truly man. And and in In the church that John is ministering in, people were denying the incarnation. The the truth that the second person of the Trinity took on flesh, became a man. They were saying, that's an insignificant detail of the Christian message. Because as some might reason, I think just like my mind says, yeah, that makes sense. If, If we have God, who needs a man? If you have God, who needs, who needs a person? But John says, no, 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 no. That actually guts Christianity. It takes the stuff right out of Christianity. Because if Christ did not really take on flesh and did not really die for us, then no payment has been made for our sins. And if we haven't been ransomed, if our sin hasn't been paid for, then there is no fellowship. That is why John is emphasizing the reality of the incarnation with words like we have seen him, we have heard him, we have touched him, we have seen him, we have heard him, we have touched him. Friends, to deny Christ's humanity is to deny the Christian faith and to deny salvation. It, it might seem surprising, but Christ's humanity is as important uh, as his divinity for our salvation. For fellowship to be restored, the fellowship, the essence of Christianity, for that to be restored, the ruined relationship, a debt had to be paid. But it had to be paid by humans Who created the debt? A debt had to be paid. And a human had to pay what was owed to God. A person. But here's the catch. The debt was so great, no person could pay it. All the people of the world together couldn't pay it. Only God could satisfy it. So we needed a human to pay it, but only God could satisfy it. So the satisfying the debt had to come through one who is truly God and truly man. That is why the life which was in the beginning with the Father took on flesh, was seen and was heard and was touched. Christ didn't surrender his divine attributes when he took on flesh. Nor did God's nature take on creaturely limitations Qualities, but he condescended to assume a human nature and walk obediently before the Father, suffering all that we've suffered, being tempted in all the ways that we are tempted. And he then hung upon a cross as a punishment for the sins that his people deserved. He made the payment for those who would trust in him. Don't mistake Jesus for something else other than what he's revealed himself to be. He is truly God. He is life itself. He was in the beginning with the Father. He's truly God, but he's also truly man. This doctrine, Christ's twofold nature, is not unimportant, nor is the message dry. This doctrine isn't dry doctrine. Quite the opposite. It's life-giving. It's the it's the the means by which we have life, by which we have joyful fellowship with the Father. But some people in in John's day might have thought to themselves, that's great, John, you saw him, you heard him, you you touched him, but I can't see him. He's, He's gone. You said he's ascended to the Father. I can't sit with him, I can't listen to him. And we might think, how can I have fellowship with this one if if we can't hear the intonation of his voice, if we can't see his physical frame, if we can't uh, go up and and put our hand on his shoulder? How is this fellowship possible for you and me? Look at verse 2. It says, the life was made manifest. We, John and the, the other apostles, have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you, the eternal life. We proclaim it to you. And then in verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. We proclaim it to you. Friend, the way that we have joy-filled fellowship with the Father and with his people is by means of the Scriptures. The Scriptures are the apostolic the authoritative witness to Jesus. We don't get to create the Jesus in whom we will trust. You don't get to imagine a Jesus with whom you're just really comfortable and you really like. We don't get to say, I really like uh Merciful Jesus. I really like social revolutionary Jesus. I really like Jesus who who didn't condemn sinners. No, we embrace the Jesus that was and the Jesus that was truthfully and faithfully proclaimed by his appointed messengers, the apostles, passed down to us in his word, the Bible. Regardless of how that Jesus makes you feel, that early church leader, Augustine, says, if you believe what you like in the gospel and reject what you don't like, it's not the gospel you believe, but yourself. We encounter Jesus in his word. Michelle St. James talked about this when she was doing the announcements. Just thought, That's, she's, she's preaching my message when we read the scriptures we are encountering its author this isn't a, a dead word we come face to face with Jesus in his word when we read the word he speaks to us gives us life and changes us by his spirit that's why we that's why we're spending this time looking at These words of Scripture this morning, that's why we do that every week. That's why we encourage you as families, as households, as groups to to open the Scriptures, to read them and study them and meditate on them. Join us in our reading plan this year. The Spirit uses His Word to point us to Him so that we may have fellowship with Him, joy-filled fellowship, that which is essential, that which is the essence of of our faith. So even though we haven't touched his nail-scarred hand, even though we haven't heard what his voice sounds like, is it higher, is it lower? Even though we haven't seen his physical frame, we encounter him through the apostolic authoritative witness of scripture. Just like he's right here with us because he is. That which John has seen and heard he proclaims to us, to you, so that you can have fellowship with the Father and with everybody else in this room. We can have confidence that we have fellowship with the Father if we look in faith to the incarnate word revealed in Scripture. Here's a friend, here's the deal, friend. Our, our experiences throughout the week, they might discourage us. Our emotions, they're going to mess with us. They might mislead us. But if we look in faith to Jesus, truly God and truly man, if we look to the Jesus revealed in scriptures, we can have absolute confidence of having been reconciled. To God the Father. And we can walk in joy and assurance. John is telling us that more than anything else, Christ is the source of our confidence. More than than your obedience, more than your your level of faith, more than your, your level of love, Christ is our source of confidence. Look to him. Take up the scriptures and trust in the one revealed. And lots of things in in the coming week, weeks, months, are going to vie for our our attention here in 2021. Things that are necessary. Things that are, are absolutely good gifts. But one thing stands out. One thing is absolutely essential. Fellowship with God And with his people. Relationship. Intimate communion. With God. And that only comes from Christ. Who is truly God. And truly man. Who has paid the ransom. So that we might have that relationship restored. So that uh, as that enmity is put away. Look to Jesus. Trust in him. Fixate on him. And find joy. In that relationship this morning, would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we too come to you this morning only on the basis of your Son, Jesus Christ. We confess that our sin is hideous and ugly and offensive to you. And our sin has earned us nothing but to be objects of your wrath, your enemies, pushed away from your loving presence forever. And yet you gave your son, the one who was with you in the beginning, for eternity, before all things. You gave him to take on flesh. Pay the ransom. That our relationship might be restored. May that not be a ho-hum message to us. May that fill us with joy. May that fill us with hope. May that fill us with confidence. That we are reconciled to you. That we have fellowship with you. We can find joy in you. So would you work that in us this morning? I pray for people here who have yet to trust in your Son Christ, I pray that your spirit would awaken them, give them life, that you would fill us all with greater desire for you. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.